0: Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen.
1: And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo.
0: Welcome back, Nicole. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Chris. How are you?
0: A little warm, right? (laughs) It's the weather. A little
1: toasty, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We actually put up hay the other day and... um, Let's just say that was a little bit of a steamy experience, but we got it done.
0: <laughs> yeah, this summer, this summer. And it actually, you know, it, it's worms and parasites. What we're going to talk about today is a concern year round. Hey, even in the summer, uh, they, they can be a, pro- a problem for horses. This is, it, when you talk parasites, it is a, it is a, a large topic. But today we're going to break it down a little bit for everybody and then talk about the updates, right? Because... It's always funny because whenever we talk about nutrition and I go back to what I was feeding when I was a little young grad student to, to what we feed today, but even looking at how we treated parasites 20 years ago has completely changed, right?
1: Oof, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I look
1: back and I'm like, I was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, There's there's been a lot. And, and to your point about this being a complicated topic. There are scientists whose entire focus is parasitology in horses, researching this. So we're we're going to touch like the super super hundred foot view and mm. and talk a little bit about how deworming recommendations have changed over time. I think there's still a lot of people who don't quite understand what. It is, we should be doing with our modern well, recommendations, but yeah, the, you could dig way into this topic, which is slightly gross, right? Parasites. Yeah, ew. It
0: is. It is and dealing with them. Yeah. You know, dealing, uh, uh, been around horses long enough. You definitely have dealt with them and, and yeah, yesteryear of, of seasonal deworming or de- feeding daily dewormers, that one I just cringe at because I remember oh no. when that came...
1: Remember that? I did, I did that as a kid. Somebody told yeah. me to.
0: Yeah, daily dewormers. <laughs> and now we have this resistance and we're going to explain that. Uh, just to kick everything off, uh, again, just to highlight a quick difference between internal parasites and external parasites.
1: Yeah, good question. So external parasites, pretty simple. Stuff on the outside of the horse. So those would be flies, lice can sometimes happen in horses. There are occasional issues with mites. Internal parasites are little yucky things that the horse is infected with and they actually live in the body. And then there's there's this interesting kind of crossover which are bots mm-hmm. which for the purpose of the horse as the horse is a part of this fly's life cycle, it's an internal parasite, but it is also a fly. However, it's really just classified as an internal parasite because that is the area where it actually impacts the horse. But yeah, these are, you know, inside, outside, yucky things, but ultimately What we're talking about today would be the internal parasites. I know we've talked about fly control, and there are things you could feed horses that impact some of our external parasites, but today's focus is specifically on those internal parasites, including bots, which are that kind of intermediate Mm. um, option in that internal parasite group because of how it impacts the horse.
0: Yeah, I know. I do want to ask you about impacting the horse. And I just real quick to bring it up too, because it's, we're going to talk about dewormers and resistance and these worms are 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 becoming more resistant to certain classes of our dewormers and so that's what we're kind of talking about in the beginning of how things have changed the fly control that is in essential k with tribute that is not a dewormer. That's a, a larvicide, right? So it's passed in the manure. It's totally different. There's no resistance associated with that. So don't get that confused with a, like feeding a daily dewormer. So I just wanted to highlight that real quick. Internal parasites. How do they impact the horse? I mean, it's not just, oh, it's gross. It, it, Because it, 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 it is, it is, you know, yeah. you've seen worms in manure and you're like, Ugh. but, you know, how else do they impact them?
1: Yeah, the list of the impacts of parasitic infections in horses are pretty long. And and the reason for that is there are different life cycles and different migratory patterns in the horse for these different types of parasites, meaning that respiratory health issues are an issue with a couple of the types of parasites that impact the horse. But others don't do that. So there's a kind of long list for that reason. So I think the biggest one people think to think about is the horse who is just unthrifty. They just kind of assume that horse has a high parasitic load. So those would be things like poor coat, lethargic, maybe they're not really holding their weight very well. To that end, you know, one of the side effects of a heavy parasite load definitely can be damage to the intestinal tract of the horse itself, meaning the horse can't absorb nutrients as efficiently, which is why they maybe don't hold their weight as well. You know, we also see those respiratory issues with some of them. Colic would be secondary to some of our parasitic loads, uh, specifically tapeworms. So a really heavy prevalence of tapeworms is actually causes a specific type of colic fairly frequently. And then you have other things like if you have pinworms, your horse might be itching its tail because those pinworms live around the anus. So those are kind of the broad thing. I will say it's really interesting. I I know iron is something we've talked about in the past and now we're like, oh my God, iron's horrible. And it's not. Okay. (laughs) But sometimes they're like, oh, why is there iron added to horse feeds? And we don't put added iron in tribute products with the exception of our race products, because those horses need it because of the level they're working. But you know, there was a relatively recent change to pull those out and be like, why in the world are you putting iron in our horse's feet? And the reason is it was actually a holdover from Traditionally, when we didn't have the anthelmintic, the dewormer tools that we have today, there was a much higher rate of anemia in horses Mm. because they had this chronic blood loss from heavy parasite loads. For that reason, traditionally, we put some added iron in horse feeds to kind of help offset that. Today, for now... We thankfully have other tools to address a lot of those parasites, but that's kind of a fun, ah, anemia. That's where, you know, often if I get a blood test on a horse from a customer, say, oh, what's wrong with my horse? Well, I can't diagnose your horse, but Mm. they say, we need to add iron to its diet. I don't really like to just add iron to a horse's diet. Um, What I recommend they follow up on, is there a reason this horse might be chronically bleeding internally, ulcers or parasites? So that's a little fun history fact for you.
0: That, I, that's fascinating. I did not know that, that uh, because of the, these blood worms that are feeding on the blood or, or bleeding internally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, thankfully we do have medications and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, here in a minute. Now, uh, like you said, there, there is a lot of cl- different types of dewormers because we have a lot of different types of worms, right? So what are some of the the ones that we typically always hear about like you, you already mentioned tapeworms that's that's one but there's a, there's and we mentioned bots at the beginning so what are some of the other ones that we're a little bit concerned with with horses
1: yeah, it's interesting actually because with modern dewormers today, very rarely do we see some of the traditional parasites being an issue in horses because so many of them were very easily targeted by ivermectin, which is one of our main dewormers. Uh, so you know, uh, things that we might think about, so like large strongyles for a long time, were a major issue in horses, Mm -hmm. very sensitive to ivermectin. As a result, it's largely eliminated in the domestic horse today. The other type of strongyle is small strongyles. That's one that's more of a concern in horses today, a little bit more challenging. And it's one of the ones, the eggs we're actually measuring in our fecal egg count. This one, because it insists in the body wall of the horse and actually along the intestines, that can be a Problematic one, things that you know you don't hear about much. Threadworms, which actually can live in the nuchal ligament of the horse's neck, uh, worms, So talking about you know a respiratory issue, these were worms that actually live deep in the horse's lungs. Those you know not generally an issue in the well dewormed horse today. Pinworms, we mentioned horse itching. That would be one as well. So those are a little bit different than some of your other worms in the sense many of these ones travel throughout different organ systems in the horse's body. Pinworms are ingested um, through fecal matter, so contaminated soil, etc., And they actually just live in the horse's digestive tract and kind of set up shop right at the very end. And then they actually kind of come out and they irritate the anus itself. And so mm. that can cause that tail scratching type thing. Uh, one that is a major issue in foals, but not adult horses generally are ascarids, which are roundworms. So these actually migrate through the bloodstream to the liver and lungs, um, and then go back to the small intestine. So like these things travel around. Uh, so this is, you know, something that can be very, very impactful, to a foal's health um, and potentially life-threatening. So one of those reasons that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about modern deworming today and how much less deworming we have to do. Mm. I will say it does look a little bit different in the foal because there are specific things like ascarids that foals are still susceptible to that in the adult horse, their immune system really just takes care of. So you do have to have a little bit more intensive deworming protocol still in the foal, That we don't necessarily do in the adult horse today not to say that you know recommendations for foals haven't changed over the years as well
0: yeah there was a an image on google you can just google it It, it, it's it's like parasites there's a a water drop and i always use this whenever i talk to parasites to my students and in there you can see little bits of worms right so it's just on a on, on a blade of grass a drop of water and then you've got parasites in it so you I always use it to say there's all of this in the environment that the horse is exposed to, right? And that's how they pick it up. It's not just you know contaminated with manure. It's it's parasites can be everywhere, so they're gonna get them, right? They're gonna they're gonna ingest these.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, so the majority of them, their life cycle goes through the manure of the horse, but it's not just yes. like, Oh, you're, there's manure yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, Once it's in the environment, it's in the environment. So this, yeah. it is not to say that if like your horse has some parasite load, that is some sort of failing in your horse keeping. In fact, the goal is not for your horse to carry a parasite load of zero. Yeah. The goal is for your horse to carry a parasite load that is low enough that it does not impact their health. Because ultimately, let's kind of roll into this discussion of resistance. Mm -hmm. If you are attempting to make a parasite load of zero, A, it's impossible. B, what you are doing by continuing to throw drugs at those parasites, you're never going to kill all of them. Therefore, the ones that don't get knocked out by your dewormer, they are generating the resistance such that as they replicate over time, you're breeding super bugs that we mm-hmm. don't have things that kill them. So yeah, parasites are in the environment. Now, obviously we're going to recommend manure cleanup, things like that, but you're never going to have a zero parasite load. No, now no. you could have a zero fecal egg count that is mm-hmm. different from a zero parasite load. And, and I do want to emphasize like, yeah, Oh, my God. They're icky, okay? But just because we have this concept that parasites are gross doesn't mean our goal should be to throw all the drugs and make them go away. That actually creates a huge issue for us as a horse community over time, and we're, we're already showing those issues.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, and and even, you know, like these uh, stomach bots, one thing we their life cycle is the fly lays the eggs on the the bottom legs of the horse and as the horse grooms it it eats the eggs. I mean, this is it, they're going to get it. They're going to get infected, but that's a great point that you can't get it to zero. And you explained resistance. So we are seeing more resistance in our dewormers. They're not as effective. So things have rapidly changed in the last 10 years. So what is I guess the proper procedures today, if I'm a horse owner, okay, I need to check my parasite load and I need to treat my horse. How should they go about that?
1: Yeah. Yep. So no more daily dewormer.
0: Yep, Guilty. Long, long yep. time ago.
1: Okay. I was a child. It's not my fault. <laughs> the, the other thing we're not going to do is like go to the feed or the tax store and buy like the rotation. I also remember it being like in this month, do this one in that month, mm-hmm, do that one, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, The recommendation today is to do what is called a fecal egg count or a fecal float twice per year. Sometimes in a horse who has a really heavy parasite load, we might actually use the intervention indicated by what that fecal egg count says. And then we might come back at a, it depends on the dewormer and and the type of parasite we're looking at, Um, but we might actually come back some period after that. And do a retest to see how well the dewormer worked in that horse. So, there are occasional times that we're gonna recommend more than your twice yearly fecal egg count. But what a fecal egg count actually does is it allows you to classify horses based on their egg shedding level. And it's kind of interesting because not all horses shed at the same level. You know, some of the research has shown there are quote unquote high shedders in populations, meaning that, you know, 80% of the eggs are contributed by 20% of the horses on the farm. So for that reason, there's some individual variation on how much deworming is appropriate, even in a barn that is otherwise managed exactly the same. So you might have a different deworming program even under the same management. Hmm. So based on the results of the fecal egg count, your vet will help you put together an appropriate deworming protocol. Now, One misconception that I do see happen is that people think because their fecal egg count is zero, therefore they do not need to deworm because their horse is parasite free. And that is absolutely not true. So there are some things that the fecal egg count just won't pick up because not all of those parasites are shed that way. And there are certain parasites we need to deworm for once to twice per year, a little bit, depends on your area, etc. But tapeworms and bots, for example, Mm. not going to be picked up on that fecal egg count. Not using a dewormer that is appropriate for tapeworms dramatically increases the likelihood of an impaction colic in a horse. There are a huge proportion of the impaction colics are in horses who have not been dewormed to decrease their tapeworm load. So the fecal egg count twice a year allows you to monitor that shedding level. Mm -hmm. We still have to do some deworming, even in horses who are low shedders. And then those horses that are high shedders may have additional deworming indicated beyond kind of our basic level to address that higher parasite load, depending on exactly what's going on. Again, they're never going to get to zero and you need to monitor it over time. But ultimately, that's the recommendation today. Targeted deworming mm. based on the results of fecal egg count. But keep in mind, we still have to deworm horses for certain <laughs> things, even when fecal egg counts are zero or low.
0: That's a great explanation. Now, really quick, because you, like you said, this is such an in-depth topic and this can get you know really technical. But with, with just trying to be broad, all dewormers are not the same, right? So an ivermectin isn't going to treat for everything. So you need different types of dewormers. I, I, I think that's something, you know, some owners may say, oh, I just grab a dewormer. That's great. I Treat them all. No, there's different classes of dewormers that will treat tapeworms or treat, I mean, ascarids and young horses, but also the Strong isles, uh, so, if we just briefly touch upon that because I want people to know that it, like you said, rotational dewormer it used to be we used to rotate the classes, but now it's we're targeted, but like you said, you want to treat for tapeworms
1: nope that that is the perfect. Perfect point. So like ivermectin and moxidectin are really like our big guns, right? And there's a lot of resistance issues. And unfortunately, there are a number of things that like if we lose ivermectin, we are in trouble. Mm -hmm. To your point, ivermectin, moxidectin does not kill every type of worm. So that's, for example, you might say I dewormed my horse and then they have a tapeworm colic because they have a large load. Well, that's because ivermectin isn't targeting your tapeworms very effectively, if at all. You need praziquantel added to that one to two times per year, again, depending on you know the situation that you're in to address those tapeworms. So yes, it is both targeted in the sense that we're not throwing dewormer at them super frequently, but also being mindful of the type of drug that we are using. And I think it's outside the scope of this podcast to really put together the deworming program for you. Mm -hmm. Because I, of course, am familiar with, you know, the areas of the country that I've lived in, what's appropriate in those areas, but it does vary a little bit in different places what's the most appropriate. But that is to say, you know, the broad recommendation is fecal egg counts, targeted deworming based on those fecal egg counts. And recognizing as part of that target deworming, it's not just grabbing any dewormer off the shelf. It's what is going to be appropriate for the types of parasites that we are worried about, as well as the time of year that we are doing so.
0: Yeah, it's funny you're saying that. I'm thinking of my my time in swampy Florida. <laughs> it just we had worms year round, and I mean, you know, we had some, we had a winter, but it's it, it just, yeah, I can imagine that in the north uh, where you get snow, and, and and you had kind of a reprieve. Where uh, down in the southern United States, um, you know, not quite have that reprieve. It, any final tips on this? It, it it's, you know, like you said, I, I I think mine is always talk to your veterinarian. Like you said, it, it it's regional dependent. So it's always worth the talk with them, you know, how should I deworm my horse or am I doing it appropriately or just get their input into what you're doing. Uh, But anything else you think we should mention?
1: Yeah, I would also say like your local extension affiliate probably has some good information on what's appropriate for your area. This is one of those things that, right, it's changed. So. I want to say this with kindness. If your vet recommends a daily dewormer or the traditional rotation, They may be a fantastic vet in a lot of ways. They just may not be the most up-to-date on what's appropriate for deworming. So just make sure that the information that you're getting is in line with kind of those current recommendations. There obviously will be some tweaks depending on exactly, you know, the situation. But overall, again, you know, the broad recommendation to stick with that fecal egg count and targeted deworming, that is the type of plan that you are looking to get advice to implement Within your specific area, your specific herd, your specific risk factors.
0: Oh, great. Yeah, all great advice. And for the listeners, if you have any topics that you want us to cover or anything you'd like to hear on the podcast, please contact us. The link's in the show notes. You can go to com. contact us link, uh, put your suggestion there, or follow us on LinkedIn. You can follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send a message, say, hey, Uh, This is a great topic, something I'd like to learn more about. But thank you so much for listening. And and thank you for all those five-star reviews on iTunes and Spotify. We really appreciate it. Again, uh, Nicole and I are just trying to get this information out to as many horse owners as we can. We want to keep those ponies healthy and happy.
1: Absolutely. That's what we love. All
0: right. Thank you so much and take care.
1: Thank you.